It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Hey, Nuggets Nation. You're listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Now, here's your hosts, the Denver Stips. Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. We are the largest Denver Nuggets blog on the web. Make sure to check us out. Uh, this week, this week we got. It's going to be kind of a, a crazy show. We're gonna we're gonna mix in um, a multitude of guests. We're gonna do most of the show um, with with two co-hosts, and then we'll I'll kick it to two two uh, to Ryan and Gordon from last week. I had some good stuff from them that we weren't quite able to get to last week, so we'll get to it this week. But Starting off, I want to go ahead and get my introductions in. First off, joining us all the way from Littleton is Mr. Daniel Lewis. Dan, how's it going? Doing pretty good. Got a little sunburned working outside today, but can't complain. Sorry, Dan, you are a man of the manual labor lately. Is it? Uh, <laughs> what do you? What's your, what's your thoughts on it? Uh, Long term plans or or kind of just a, a summer thing? Oh no, for right now it's a long term thing. Gotcha, gotcha. But you're still going to school for like radiology, right? Um, to be determined. To be determined. Fair we enough. We can talk about that off pod. <laughs> we'll do that. Fair enough. All right. Also joining us from um all the way from where I was actually earlier in the day, uh, down in Colorado Springs, we have Ashley Douglas. Ashley, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I can't complain. It was you know for for all the the crazy nasty weather we've been having in these past um. And by the way, I don't mean to always talk about the weather on the podcast. It just seems I always go there. But um, <laughs> uh, for all the crazy weather we've had, right, it actually turned out to be a really great day, especially down in Colorado Springs. It's really, it's really beautiful. Beautiful, down there right now. yeah. Bring on the allergies <laughs> after all the weather. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that is right. Until it's, so I, I mean, I live up north here in Millican, kind of the, you know the eastern east of I twenty five, and so we actually don't bring on the allergies after all this moisture. We just oh, bring on the you. smell of. Uh, smell of cow fertilizer we'll just put it oh, that way so, lovely yeah that's great it's a real <laughs> it's a real selling point for the neighborhood <laughs> all right we'll tell you what we will um we'll get into it like i said we're gonna we're gonna i've been promising you guys the stiffy awards for like two weeks now we're finally well, I, I promise you we will get to it uh we actually tried last week and then we ran too long but um before we do that i wanted to, uh, there's a little bit of nuggets news uh to go through and, and, and general NBA news. We're actually going to not talk too much about the NBA playoffs this time because, Oh, these conference finals are rough. Um, I just, I mean, there's a, what, how much fun do we want to talk about a bunch of blowouts? So the first thing I want to talk about though, is the all NBA teams uh, were announced just this week. No Denver nuggets as at least for me, as expected, no Denver nuggets on, on any one of the three all NBA teams. 
Though there was, I think, some people out there, and and, and in, at least in my opinion, a, a bit of a homer um, vote for for Nikola Jokic to at least make third team center. Uh, he does not. I believe it was DeAndre Jordan who got um, who got that last third team spot. Uh, Dan, I'll ask you first. Did did Jokic? Is there any way you can convince convince us that Jokic deserved a spot on the third All NBA team? No, I don't think he deserved a spot on the third All NBA team. Um, I don't. I probably would have put Carl Anthony Townsend over DeAndre Jordan, and I, I don't think that Jokic had a better season than Towns or Jordan. So. I mean, he, really? he would probably have been tied for me with Marcus Saul. So maybe like fifth or sixth team all NBA if, if they went down that far. But right. I, right. I don't you think know, that, he, he was that high. That's kind of the funny thing, right? We all, we've been uh, talking the narrative, it seems like, for a couple of years now has been how the big man is dying out in the NBA. And yet this was uh, this was one of the better crops um of center play that we we've seen better seasons for center play. Ashley, what about you? What did you think about Jokic not making the all NBA teams? I agree. I don't think that this year he necessarily deserves to make the third all NBA team. I mean, I think potentially if you're looking at from January on, maybe he earns that spot, but as a season as a whole, I mean, you can't as a, as a Nuggets fan and a Jokic fan, I would love to have seen them there, but in general, no, I don't think he deserved that. For sure. Right. And you bring up a really great point, too, that I actually hadn't thought about, but it's totally true. I mean, especially even even if you were going to say from December 15th, right from the moment he was in the starting lineup on um, that would be disregarding that first month and a half of the season where really, honestly, he didn't play that great. I mean, not by any fault of his own. I don't think it was kind of an awkward situation trying to work fit with Nurkic and then coming off the bench. But, you know, you look at some of these other guys. I mean, um, obviously, Rudy Gobert and Anthony Davis uh, were were absolutely deserving of their positions. You could maybe argue that Gobert should have deserved first team over Davis over second team, splitting hairs, uh, in my opinion. DeAndre Jordan, you know, maybe I personally would have gone Mark Gasol um, in that for that third team spot. And Towns, like you said, Dan, I think is another great candidate, and Jokic is a good candidate too. Obviously, somebody thought he was a great candidate because one person was crazy enough. Um, to vote first team. Do we know? Does Chris Dempsey have a vote for all teams? <laughs> if he <laughs> does, that was him. That was him. That right. He's the only one I could. It had to have been a Denver guy um, who voted for him, obviously. And and I know it wasn't Matt Moore, who I know has a vote. So um, I'm not sure who else who else could have done that. But yeah, like I, I I'm with both of you. I I don't think um, given given Ashley, like you brought up, that he didn't really have a full season's worth of. Uh, body of work where he was playing this outstanding basketball given also um dan as you were pointing out all the other guys who were very deserving because carl anthony towns too i mean what a what a great sophomore season for him so i think we're all this in is, agreement this on this is Jokic's second season like he's gonna have plenty of time to get right. all nba votes right and i think i think all of us would agree he will at some point um land oh, on yeah. one of the all nba teams so uh, so the other thing I wanted I wanted to get into that I that I thought was very very interesting, um, Russell Westbrook was first team All NBA. That was that was of course um, expected, but the only unanimous pick for All NBA first team was James Harden. Westbrook ended up getting ninety nine out of one hundred votes, which means so one other person. And if you look at it and you can do the math, so one person voted for Steph Curry. Um, 
to get that other spot. And I don't think it's come out to say who was that person was. Um, actually, what do you think? I mean, is it just to me? Cause it's like, it's gotta be a golden state guy, right? Who made that vote because he's got it. You know, he's got, he's a Durant fan now, obviously maybe he's a little bitter against OKC, but <laughs> how can you not put Russell Westbrook who sets the record for triple doubles in a season as a first, first team all NBA? Yeah, I agree, but it had to have been somebody caught up in the hype. I was thoroughly annoyed by that, by the way. I was like, you know what? Russell Westbrook is kind of a villain. He's kind of that guy that everybody likes to hate because he's got this attitude that's just unbecoming of an athlete, to be honest. But he's so amazing. And and for somebody to get caught up in the super team hype is just, quite frankly, very annoying to me, especially because James Harden, who doesn't play defense at all, gets all right. 100 votes so i'm like you gotta be kidding me how can he be an mvp candidate he doesn't even play defense he's not a complete player uh, i was just so annoyed by that <laughs> yeah i mean that and that that is kind of an interesting point too right if you would think about especially complete players you'd probably think westbrook more so than harden certainly and then but like you said Harden. i mean also lebron doesn't get doesn't get the unanimous selection which is really really odd as well dan what did you think about westbrook get, missing that one vote uh, I mean, it'd be really funny if it was a Golden State, like you know, a beat writer or something that <clears throat> didn't want to give him the vote, just you know, to be petty. <laughs> but uh, right. I, I think I, I have a feeling that Westbrook is going to win MVP, so I don't think he's going to mind too much. Yeah, it's true. I think uh, you probably take MVP overall NBA every time. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know if he's going to win it. It's it's so close to me between him and Harden. If there, we've talked about this on the pod before. If there was ever a reason um, to give a guy uh, to give co MVPs, this this would probably be the year. And and uh, you know, Gordon and Ryan and I will get in that in a little bit later in the show. Um, one more thing that I wanted to talk about that I really think is probably possibly the most interesting discussion about all, all about these All NBA teams is the. The fact that so like guys like so specifically Gordon Hayward and Paul George um, were not were not selected to any of the three All NBA teams, and while that might seem really minor, uh, and I think you certainly there they, they had a case to be made, but it's not to me like a, they got major snub or anything by not getting into it. Um, but the thing that's really interesting about it is because of the way the salary structures work in the NBA and, and specifically giving guys these designated player um, extensions because they don't get those all NBA onto those all NBA teams. Those two guys now, basically their teams, the Utah jazz and the Indiana Pacers cannot pay them an exorbitantly large, larger amount of money than another team. They can still pay them a little bit more. They can give them an extra year, but they can't go out and just completely give them the obvious most lucrative contract. And and I think the the interesting thing about it is because these are media players. Dan, you brought it up, or these are media members, but like it could have very well been someone for who for very petty reasons uh, didn't vote for Russell Westbrook to be first team All NBA. And for all we know, it could have been people for very petty reasons who weren't voting for Gordon Hayward. Paul George. And I think, like I said, I don't think even one of those guys is a big snub, so it's not, I, I don't necessarily think that's happening, but what I think it's interesting is, is there, and I, Dan, I'll ask you this first, is there a danger in in these media members having this say on, on these guys and, and, and basically their earning power? I, I don't think so. I, I think right now it's probably the best 
a group of people that can vote on one on this kind of an award. Um, you know, and the the players did negotiate this into part of the CBA, so this is something that they agreed to as well. But I think I mean it does put some pressure on members of the media to to make that decision because it has financial impact on the players. But it, maybe that'll make some of the stars or some of the coaches be a little bit more friendly with members of the media and a little bit more polite, you know, if they know that, hey, if I'm a jerk to this guy, like that may actually have an impact on how much I earn in the future. And like, you know, maybe That's Coach Pop would answer point. more than two questions in his TV interviews. <laughs> well, he, luckily, his, you know, for him, I guess, luckily, his salary is not tied to that. That is a great point, though, because there are some guys who are notoriously just for being jerks to the media. Um, and, and what's funny is most of the guys who could actually get away with that are the guys like the Westbrook said, I'm not saying Westbrook's a jerk to the media. We actually got to interview him the night he set the record. He was very gracious and, um, actually, actually was a great, a great interview that night. Um, but other guys, I mean, DeMarcus Cousins, that's a guy. Yeah. He's absolutely a jerk to the media all the time. Um, and he is one of those guys. I mean, the, he was kind of on the fringe all NBA this year as well. Uh, you bring up a good point. Maybe if he was nicer to some people, they would uh, they would vote to him. Because I guarantee you, there are people for the petty reasons of you know what, Jamarcus Cousins is a jerk. I don't care about his basketball skills at all. I just don't like the guy. I guarantee you, there are some people who, who thought that, and that's why he didn't get um, their vote this year. Ashley, what do you think? Do you think that the this is maybe the media members have too much power with this? Uh, I I mean, I guess I could potentially see both sides of the coin here, but. I, I go back to the argument that this is an entertainment industry. These players exist to entertain people. And so I think it's very important that they keep the professional, you know, media or uh, publicity friendliness um, a priority. You know, I, I have always been a not a fan of how Greg Popovich deals with the media. I think he's a, a jerk. And I know a lot, of, a lot of people think it's funny and maybe that's made him kind of a and that's his kind of personality or whatever, but I don't dig that. I think, you know, people pay money and people are very, they take time out of their lives to pay attention to what you do. You're welcome. So don't be a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you know, this is funny. That's funny. And then you both have been talking about pop and I, and I kind of think I agree with you guys. I think it's like an act now for him, like, because it was, it really started with that Doris Burke interview um, several years back where, where, you know, they're allowed to get two questions after halftime. Um, and he answered both questions with one word, which was turnovers and everybody thought it was great. Um, and now it seems like he's just like that, uh, all the time. And, and you're right, Ashley, I think he was kind of a jerk, especially, um, I think it was maybe after game two when they, the reporter just tried to ask him, Hey, when did you, you know, at what point did you really know? Um, this game was getting away from you. And he just, which to me is a valid question. I mean, it's not the greatest question, but it's a valid question. Um, and he just laid into the guy. And it's like, I get it. You're frustrated. You're emotional uh, after, a, after a tough loss like that. But like, the, these people are just trying to do their jobs, right? You know, so like, why can't you, why can't you just play along? And, and, and now, and, and you guys have actually, because I hadn't really thought about this at all, but you, you've convinced me to actually, I, I was probably going to say that they, I thought they did have too much power and that they shouldn't be deciding these players uh, or have a say somewhat in these players' earning potential. But you guys have convinced me because you're right. Um, now, if, if guys are conscious of that, and obviously it doesn't affect everyone, but the guys who do is they're conscious of that. Maybe they will actually be uh, a little bit easier to deal with and, and understand, a little more understanding that, hey, really, we're all just out there. When we're, we're asking these quotes, 
you know, we're just trying to get, uh, we're just trying to get get our story, and, we, and usually, especially after a game or something like that, we're we're under a deadline. We we're just trying to get this thing out, get some content for the fans, help them get a little bit of an inside look. Um, so I like that. I like what uh, what both of you said there. And I guess well, if I'll, you consider somebody like Peyton Manning, who, and I know this is football, but he always, you know, took the time to put a suit on or at least a blazer to go speak with the media, and always polite, always courteous answered right. questions you know thoroughly and people love that guy and obviously he had teams like clamoring for him and i mean it pays off honestly yeah it, it absolutely does it's funny i was just thinking yeah peyton manning he takes the time to come out in a blazer and, and whatnot but you know in fairness the nuggets most of the nuggets players they certainly take their time they always none of them other than jameer jameer's the only one who really doesn't care if you come talk to him before um before he's all uh, you know, all all dressed up, and I think it's because they know that TV cameras there. It's usually so, especially the younger guys. They always like to get um, get all dressed up before you come talk to them after the game. But they don't do it for what what you were bringing up for Peyton Manning. Like I said, I don't think they're doing it because you know um, they want to, they're being respectable or anything like that. I think they're no. just doing it because they know they know they're <laughs> about to be on TV and they right. want to look good. Especially, I mean, Will Barton and, and give him give that guy props. He's got some serious uh, some serious. He's got fashion some style. Going. Yeah, <laughs> he does. He does. Um, all right, so that's uh, we'll go ahead and we'll shift it um, now to some, something a little bit more n- very nugget centric, uh, which is some news that just came out. What did it come out? Maybe yesterday, I think. Um, we're, which we're on, recording the, this on, on Friday. Yeah, yeah, so on on Friday, um, which is that, and and I don't believe it's been fully confirmed. I mean, not in the sense that that there hasn't been the 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 transaction hasn't officially happened yet. Um, but the news that came out of Mark Stein, who I guess is. I guess is still with ESPN. I don't, I don't know what the deal is there, but um, yeah, I think anyways, it's like a, they're they're separated. They're going through a tough time. <laughs> gotcha. Complicated. Gotcha. It's yeah, co- it's complicated. He's Mark's changed his Facebook <laughs> status, um, but uh, so but he reported that Chris Finch, who was essentially um, who's one of the Nuggets assistant coaches, but essentially the guy who was um, in charge of designing the offense um for the team he is going to in all likelihood move on and go to the new orleans pelicans um and and the pelicans want to bring him in for the exact same reason because of his offensive mind uh they want they need some kind of fresh ideas about about how to make anthony davis and demarcus cousins work of course finch is behind designing the offense that was so successful in nicole Jokic. so you can understand with them having two big, big playmaker or big man playmakers, um, why he's a natural fit there. Dan, I want your opinion though. With him leaving, how big of a blow to the Nuggets is this? I I think, I think it's a little concerning, uh, just because like the Nuggets had the number one offense for like what three or four straight months, and they had a, kind of a revolutionary for right now where they ran the offense through Nikola Jokic, a big man. A lot of dribble handoffs, a lot of, you know, point guard setting screens and then back cuts and things. And it was really fun to watch. But, you know, it, it looked like there wasn't very much structure, but there was like a like a set of disciplines where they'd run through different things to try to get looks. But it was, you know, it was really great offense. And then you see the guy that was supposedly brought on to help improve the offense last offseason is now leaving. Right. Like, and now, you know, I don't, I don't understand like why, 
why he's leaving or if it, you know if it was something of the Nuggets, but it, it is a little disconcerting. Yeah, and it's and and you're right, and it's now the second year in a row where their their head offensive mind um, goes elsewhere. And now and, and something Stein didn't point out. Um, you know, we don't know we don't know where 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 Finch is going to be in terms of assistant coaches. He was not the lead assistant coach here in Denver. That's West Ellensville Junior. Um, so it could be just a promotion, and maybe that's it. Um, now the argument one of the when I when we posted the the news on it, one of the arguments our commenter made is that it really shouldn't matter. Um, and Ashley, I want your opinion on this. He said it should matter because you got Nikola Jokic, and Nikola Jokic is the real reason why our offense is so great, not the coach. Fair point. Nikola Jokic is awesome, but. Is that your thought as kind of process as well? Like that he's really, we can probably plug anybody in as the offensive assistant coach. And as long as we got Jokic, we're going to be fine. Um, No, I don't think that. I mean, obviously Nikola Jokic has learned a ton and I think he's going to be a huge asset to run the offense through. I think they have to keep, keep that focus, but you know, he is still a developing player. I mean, he's, he's a young guy still, and you've got a lot of young guys trying to come in and work with him. You still need that that coaching power to keep everybody in, in line and to keep that strategy big picture in the in the mix. And I I wonder if the Denver Nuggets are just not being very competitive. I, I don't know if they're paying their coaches enough. And to, to be frank, I have clearly no idea about what they pay their coaches. But it seems like, you know, if they're losing a lot of people like this, they should be trying a little harder to, to keep them around. Absolutely. And, you know, I can tell you, um, and it's um... – this is this has actually been somewhat of a common theme with the Nuggets for a while. Is that no, they don't pay their assistant coaches very well. In fact, they're they're somewhat notorious for not paying them um, very well. And you look at it versus a team like Golden State, who has some of the highest paid assistants in the league. And, and obviously, now, now I'm not going to say that's why Golden State is currently. Uh, do they just win? I think they won. They just go up down. Yeah. Okay. So now now they're currently three zero uh, in the Western Conference. I'm not going to say that's because they're assistant coaches. I think we all know that's because of. Um, the, the talent they have on their roster. But actually you bring up a good point, which is they're not trying. It certainly doesn't seem like they're trying very hard to retain um, these assistant coaches. We just said Wes Unsell Jr. is the lead assistant for the Nuggets. It's the first time he's ever been a lead assistant, and he got it last year after Ed Pinkney, who very much had a messy, uh, a messy departure from the team after he left. Then they just promoted Wes Unsell Jr. into this brand new position. So it does certainly, I, I think you're certainly um, justified in, in, in pointing that out. Dan, I think something that, that also has been, has it been, and, and this is this is something I want to say this right now. Um, this, this is just speculation on our part, and I'm not necessarily saying that it's fair um, to think this because because we don't have the full story, but the, the narrative is out there. And so, Dan, I want your opinion on it that some people think it could be related to Coach Malone and that he's, especially because of the way Pinkney left, that maybe he's just a tough guy to work with and that's why all these coaches are leaving. Do you think there's any merit to that? Hmm. I, I don't really know. I've, I mean, I've, I've been able to talk with Coach Malone a couple times and he seems like a pretty polite guy. Um, you know, I I lived up in that New York, New Jersey area for a little right. while, yeah, and so I was he able does to get meet... New or East Coaster on you every now. And yeah, right. and you know, it's a personality that you kind of have to, especially if you're from out west. It takes a little bit of getting used to, but once you kind of understand where they're coming from, you can you can tell if they care about you or not. But uh, when you know, I was I was thinking about just different places that I've worked, you know, and and trying to compare them to the Nuggets front office and their coaching staff and. 
you know, I, I had a job one time and um, they had a lot of senior management and everybody that was kind of like in my level of the company was just really unhappy. And, you know, I was only there for six months before I found the new job. But in the six months that I was there, like three people found new jobs and the three people that were, you know, had been there when I was still there before I left, they've all left since I, you know, I've gone, they've all gone on different things. And, you know, it just made me think like, I wonder if the Nuggets organization is kind of from like that, that company, you know, where they, everyone was just so unhappy and it was just everybody that was working there knew that this wasn't like a long-term place that was just kind of a temporary job before they could go and find something bigger and better. And they were happy to take, like, we were all happy to work there and take their money, but like, we were all looking for other jobs, like from the minute we got hired there, (laughs) like, and it just was like a really toxic work environment and like you know nobody really was like invested in projects or things but like it was you know i was happy to leave because i was like man working here sucks like nobody here is committed to the company's long-term growth you know we don't care about making relationships and like it, it may you know you may think okay well the nuggets have nicole Jokic, like things are going to be fine but like if you're changing the culture of the nuggets is something that they've been trying, Tim Tunnel has been trying to do when they hired Coach Malone to a winning organization. And a winning organization doesn't have the assistant coaches fleeing every offseason to, to find better opportunities. You know, yeah, people that get jobs here and they want to stay and be a part of that culture and be committed to winning with the pieces they have. And they're happy to be around, they're happy to work with each other, you know, and it creates this like family organization where you can all trust each other and have these great relationships and it's really hard to build something like that. I think if, you know, if the assistant coaches are leaving every off season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that the the Nuggets need to decide if they are, they want to win. Do they want to create an organization that's going to win? Because you heard the players toward the end of the season, they were, you know, making comments about the culture and, and, you know, I think maybe those cross the line a little bit. By making comments to the media about that but it's like you you're not paying your assistant coaches well they're they're leaving and and obviously these are the people that are creating great success for you and you don't seem to care so what what's your end game here do you want to create a fan base and keep people around or or do you just want to exist in the nba yeah or, or are you are you i think really or are you how much are you really paying attention to that bottom line and is are you going to continue yeah. to say hey i'm going to cut corners because the NBA and specifically now the Nuggets because they're they're a small market team. I mean, it's it's very true of almost any business. It's going to take money to make money. If you the the revenue that you're going to get from from more fans coming to your games, more fans watching your team, more fans going out and buying your merchandise, that comes after the wins, not before them. So you've got to go out and and maybe pay these guys because I. Here, I guess the touchback on the Malone thing. I don't. Uh, I can see why that narrative is there, specifically because, like I mentioned, the way Ed Pinkney left. I can see, and he was one of four guys to leave last season. Now, a couple of those, uh, specifically Noel Gillespie, he he went for a promotion. Um, Chris Fleming went and left to go work, I believe, with uh, New Jersey, um, and he had a he had a past history with uh, Kenny Atkinson there. That's Brooklyn. Um, that they don't was, play in New Jersey anymore. They don't play in New Jersey anymore. Bro- yeah, Brooklyn Nets. Right. <laughs> Showing your age. Brooklyn, New Jersey, whatever, you know, tomato, <laughs> tomato. But um, 
you know, he he had a relationship there, and, and so did Pinkney. But there there was certainly some. Um, basically, what it was is that the 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 what was what came out was that it's, Pinkney was kind of looking for a job before while he was still employed in Denver and kind of doing that behind their backs. Um, and then and then of course he he ends up leaving. It, it takes a while for him to leave. They they've got some contractual issues they've got to figure out uh, with him. Which, which usually in my the way I read that means that that obviously they think that he was liable for something in the contract that, that he didn't, um, and then at the end, Coach Malone, I believe the quote was, you know, he said, "Hey, we well we want people who want to be here," so so that I think that's what kind of drives this this narrative. Um, I don't I don't have anything other to go off of other than that, and I don't think it's the case. I've 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 talked with Coach a lot of times. Um, Always very, very courteous. Always very, very smart. Um, funny. I mean, he seems like he'd be a great guy. I'd want to work with him. Um, so, and I, and and for what I do have to work with him, I, I, he's always been he's always been good to me. So I don't think it is. I think it's actually it's kind of what you were saying. I think it's a money thing, um, and and an opportunity thing, and and the Nuggets just really maybe you, I think you're right. Especially a guy like Finch. This one hurts because his he what he did for this offense was so good and and to lose him and if it really comes if, it, if we figured out that's what it came down to was just just money that one hurts a lot because like man why why mess with a good thing you know like just pay the guy he's he's proved look at the offense he created he's proven he's worth it so yeah he's um, gonna go train your competitor now so that's that's that sucks yeah that's and, and that's a great point i mean new orleans is right there they're right on the heels of the nuggets just trying to get into the get back into the playoffs so and it's it's not just like a drawing up plays thing as well like because you know like the nuggets weren't running that many plays they just kind of had foundations and principles that right. they worked off of but like it's things that like in practice like which kind of offensive drills are you going to run through like is this coach going to be able is next guy that's going to come in is he going to be able to help the players develop their shot or develop their ability to dribble the ball or pass you know or set right. screens things like that like Look at how much Gary Harris developed this last season. Like, maybe part of that was because of Chris Finch. Like, I don't really know, but I, I don't right. think that it was, a, you know, I think that it's more of a non-zero factor. Like, I'm sure he played some kind of role. Like, is the next guy that's going to come in be able to help, like, all these young players that the Nuggets have, like Jamal Murray, Malik Beasley, Wancho, Gomez, whoever they draft in this next, you know, with a yeah, 13th absolutely. pick. Like, who's going to help develop these people? Like, you know, are, are right. these I mean, rookies, and, and there all is, these, uh, the guys that were drafted last year, like, are going to go great. Like, I got to learn how to work with another new offensive coach, you know, in, sure. in this two coaches, the two seasons. Like, is this what I'm going to have to come to expect? You know? yeah, is this going to be every season now? That's And that's a good point. I think, though, you know, I, I don't know necessarily because, I mean, there is a player development coach um, as well. But I think what's, what's going to be, what's and, and I, I can't, I, th- I think it's. D Brown. I think it's no, because D Brown left. I think it's Jordy Fernandez is their player development guy mm. now. Um, I can look it up for you. <laughs> D Brown, left. but yeah, he was <laughs> D Brown was one of the he was one of the four guys um, to leave last season. He was though okay. he was the uh, the player development coach back then. Um, but what I was gonna say is what's what I think is really hurts here is it's if if the Nuggets were a team who ran just a primarily you know point guard pick and rolls. Um, <clears throat> You know, drive the lane, kick it out to the guy. That style offense, it's probably there's a lot of guys in the NBA who are really familiar with doing that and have a lot of experience doing that and coaching that. 
and, and it's not hard to take, okay, this guy leaves, we bring another guy in. What's interesting about the Nuggets, though, is they run a fairly unconventional style offense. Now you got to go out and find another coach who you can bring in, who can pick up where you left off with these guys like Jokic and Murray, like you were saying, Dan, who are probably going to get frustrated, like, i got to work with another coach again. Um, and, and now, but you got, not only you got to overcome that hurdle, but you got to also do it with, Hey, by the way, you, we run our offense through a, through our center. So help, uh, hope you're cool with that. And you can figure that out really quick. That's, I think it's going to be tough, man. I, I just really do. Um, player development coaches are John Beckett, S- Stephen Graham, um, and, uh, a guy, a Stoyakovic. I'm not going to even pr- try and pronounce that first name because I'll just butcher it. So, um, all right. We'll tell you what, guys. So, like I said, I've been promising we were going to get to the the Stiffy Awards for about two weeks now, and we did get to it last week with Gordon and Ryan, but we ended up going uh, going too long on the pod, so we had to cut it. So, what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and we're gonna we're gonna run that audio now. We talked about about the the MVP. Um, the coach of the year, the executive year, and then obviously the counterparts of being the worst of those categories. Um, so we'll go ahead and we'll do that audio and then we'll bring it back here with, with Dan and Ashley and we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll cover a few more of the awards. So, but for right now, we'll go ahead and take a break um, and then we'll get to that right afterwards. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Stiffs here. I want to tell you about one of my favorite artists from right here in Denver, Colorado, and that's Porter Lorre. You're listening to his single, Escape My Skin, right now, and if you're liking what you're hearing, his album, Hell or High Water, is available on iTunes. Also, you can check out his website, porterlorry.format.com. That's P O R T E R L O R I dot format. Dot com. Give them a listen. I broke out of every place that tried to keep me in, but I can't escape. 
everybody welcome back into the pickaxe podcast like i said we're gonna go ahead and get into the stiffy awards um which are our basically we we do our our yearly awards and then um with their counterparts um like i said we did we did quite a bit of them last week with gordon and ryan and then it ended up going too long so we cut it so we're gonna go ahead and play that now and then and then we'll get back to Dan and Ashley and we'll cover a few more of uh, of the awards. So without further ado, here's 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 uh Gordon Gross, Ryan Blackburn and myself talking about MVP, coach of the year and executive of the year. We did the Stiffy Awards. This is something our our founder Andy Feinstein did. He always used to uh you know give out his yearly awards but um kind of in the spirit of the stiff list and uh our name, our namesake He'd also hand out the uh, the worst uh, of the year, and those those would be the true Stiffy Awards. So we went through them as, as a staff, and everybody picked uh, picked our different different awards. And I want to I want to touch on a couple of them. Uh, starting with, of course, our big one was uh, you know who is your most valuable player and who is your your least valuable player. And as for MVP, I think we've man we've had this discussion so much, so we won't um, we won't really spend too really any time on it. It just uh, me and Ryan, you and me were both on Russell Westbrook and uh, Gordon. You were on Harden. Um, it is what it is, right? You could you could give it to either one. I'd of take guys. either guy. Yeah, I'd take either guy there. So it's 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 not like yeah. I feel bad. I I, I struggled yeah. with it too. Right. It was the only thing is that, like I when I when I wrote in in the article I said the thing that sucks about this is these guys are both very deserving of the MVP. It would be I would not be upset if they got co MVPs. Honestly, it would be I think it's one of the that would few work times for me too. Yep. it would be appropriate. Um, the, the, I think Agreed. the way more Agreed. interesting discussion would be least valuable player because we all we all pick somebody different. Uh, ultimately, the staff it was only there was only one player who got more than one vote. Um, which was who I voted for. I voted for Derek Rose, who um, also also Adam Morris voted for him as well. Um, Derek Rose was awful this year. It was I guess guess my line of thinking, right? And he um he you had can, that. You, you can take this year out, man. Just say he's awful. Like, yeah, I... he's just well. You know what sucks? I used to love Derek Rose, man, because I used to be a big Bulls fan when I was <laughs> yeah. a little kid. You know, well, and, and when, Derek when Rose, he had I both mean, keys, man, he was, he was so great. awesome. Yeah, he was. He looked like he, he was a player that he really looked like could be. Um, one of those once in a generation type of talents he really was, and then obviously the his knees have just been destroyed. Um, but he was uh, not only was he was just so awful though this year, and he's just not not a type of guy really to uh, succeed in in whatever the heck the Knicks are trying to do. Uh, that's a bad. You've already Th- he that's needed a, bad a, a very anyway. stable environment. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. he also he also doesn't have a good picture of his current game. He still thinks that he's right. the other guy that he used to be. And he has not accepted that he is never going to be that guy again, and he needs to change what he does. He's he's right. a, so he's living in a dream world of his former self while playing in a horrible system for him. That's that's just that's just bad news. It's just one of the reasons why you get set up to be vote for for uh, least valuable least player. player. And then the yeah. other the other thing that I that I thought was so weird, if you guys remember, it's, he like disappeared halfway through the season, just just didn't show up. Yep. Um, and, and nobody knew where he was. Uh, I don't think we ever... <laughs> yeah, right. Is that what we call that? That's, I guess. 
nobody can, uh, can we call well, it that? but no the, the very first is you actually you show up and then just leave mid game <laughs> this is uh yeah, he didn't show up is, first yeah that's true he didn't show up at all he just never he never, he never just came in it was really bizarre so that's that's why i ended up voting for him um ryan you went with uh, this is interesting so i want to know your thought process because you went with jamal crawford um which look jamal crawford wasn't great this season i, I i'll give you that but uh what was your thought process on that one so the the thought process behind there is to take both sides of the floor yeah, all right. and try and piece together a little bit of a, a a picture on that. And so I really struggled between Derrick Rose and Jamal Crawford because, don't get me wrong, those guys are <laughs> awful. Uh, I think that Jamal Crawford has really ridden the coattails of his reputation yeah. around the league, and he has been able to take a pass on defense for his entire career. He's also 36, so don't get me wrong. Like It shouldn't be asked of him to play that much. But for a guy that plays over 2,000 minutes, you're talking about the true value that you're giving to a team. And he's he's a, a an on-ball scorer who doesn't really pass the ball, who shoots inefficiently. He just shoots a lot. And then you're talking about his defensive contributions next to that, and you're just you're you're left with a guy who really doesn't provide anything for a team. I thought it was really interesting. He went on a podcast, or he heard, or he was talking to some guy, and he said, "Oh yeah, I want to run it back with the guys that that we had in Los Angeles." And I'm thinking to myself, "Well, hell yeah, you want to do because you were awful <laughs> during that entire time. They carried the load." So. You're talking. You're talking about a guy who doesn't do anything except yeah. shoot the ball, and I I don't find very much value value in that. Now he does get the shot off, and he makes a lot of difficult shots, and those are the ones that make the highlights. But you're missing the shots where that lead him to the two for thirteen shooting nights, like, and that was very frequent this year. So I don't know. I think that if you, if you go beyond the highlights with him, it's funny, he's awful. Um... Because he's just he's man he's one of the nice he's been with this Clipper core for quite a while um and they just they seem to just be crumbling now I think boy the Clippers are uh, they're in for some big changes I would say I uh, think at least they I would scrapped the so. whole thing it'll be it'll be crazy yeah, the if, they, if enough guys opt out of there it's mm-hmm. gonna be insane if something like Blake Griffin goes to Oklahoma City and you have Chris Paul then say you know what I'm out of here and I'm gonna go to San Antonio and win me a ring. Like, I don't know. The Clippers could turn into just an Ash team. It's going to be <laughs> just burn it down. The Clippers of the 90s is what they could turn into. DeAndre well, Jordan's left. Him after leaving. No, DeAndre Jordan's left. He was, he, yeah, he was the guy who yep. hold up, who got holed up in his house, held yep. by the players yeah, who that, had right. left that's him. how that would go. J.J. Reddick's another guy who could, um, who could also end up leaving there as well. So Yeah. Their only quality it's shooter. true, because Jamal Crawford was uh, lead, one of... I mean, yeah, I was going to say, let's not leave Chris Paul out of this. Um, there you go, exactly. Uh, so, yeah. Ev- er, Gordon, you voted for... Um, you voted for... Uh, why, I've lost my sheet here. Um, Should be Evan, Evan Turner. Turner. Yeah. Evan Turner. There you go, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, obviously that that's geared toward the fact that the, the Portland gave him... A, a an insane contract and uh, and obviously he didn't quite live up to it. Well, and I feel bad for Evan Turner that it's a bad fit for him, and he he I mean he took the money. I would 
when yeah. your friends that you call up and you say, hey, I just got offered, you know, $70 million or whatever from uh, Portland, and your friends laugh, and they say, you got to take that and run. When your friends know that you're not yeah. worth $70 million, yeah. like, that's a thing. That's, that should be your warning that you may get into deep shit with this contract. I mean, oh he literally, that's what he said. He said they laughed, and they said I should take it. And like, straight up, no knowledge of self. That was That's what he said. Oh, my God. Um, and I agree that's with that. Crazy. I mean, you were talking about how Jamal Crawford doesn't provide shit on defense. Well, Jamal Crawford's... Uh, win shares for 48 are still higher than Evan Turner's. Um, so so are Jamal Murray's, by the yeah, way. Jamal Murray's win shares for 48, as a rookie who was nowhere close to winning Rookie of the Year, are better than $17 million a year Evan Turner. What's like, weird about Evan Turner, too, is in Boston, he was kind of like, a, he kind of got a career resurgence by being more so of a defensive-minded player. Yeah. But he was awful on defense. He couldn't. Year. He couldn't play anything. In yeah, he earned. He earned three defensive yeah, no, win shares. Yeah, no, he could play defense. Yeah. He didn't know how to play. It's crazy. It, it's like he forgot how to play basketball in Portland. And I don't know what that says. Other, if you want to know why I think Brad Stevens is coach of the year, maybe it's because he won that many games. You know, without having any real star players, you can say that Isaiah Thomas is one now. But he can turn guys like Evan Turner into three defensive windshare players who don't know how to play basketball when they leave him. So, you know, there's always that. <laughs> there is. There is always that. All right, Gosh. T, I want to move on to another um, another category. Let's go with uh, let's go with the coaches. Um, Coach of the year, I voted for D'Antoni. Uh, Gordon, I believe you voted for D'Antoni as well. Yeah, I think I took D'Antoni in it. I, I, then... I voted for Brad Stevens before the season, but I, I took D'Antoni because I like a guy who gets to prove that he's right. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I just look at D'Antoni and I just look like, like, look, he, um, I mean, he, he, he looked at James Harden and said, yeah, I can, I can make, give him the ball and, uh. I can make my offense run around that guy, and and even more so than it already is. We're we're gonna take his skills and, and put it to the max, um, and it worked. It worked brilliantly. I was skeptical about the idea of James Harden playing the point guard position for uh, for the Rockets this season, but he, I mean, he did it without uh, without missing a beat. It was really um, one of the one of the better one of the better performances we've seen all time and I think you have to give some credit to Dan Tony for that because well and it was a, such a misused roster man like last year you I mean the reason that we managed to get um uh Wancho was because Houston was so freaking terrible right. like it was a badly badly misused roster by both Kevin McHale who got fired you know and the interim coach and and then you get Dan Tony in there and he's like no I I know what to do with this roster and immediately makes yeah. them into the third best team in the West. Well, and also, and 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 we'll talk about we'll talk about executive year here in a, here in a bit. But um, you know, give some credit to Daryl Morey for being like, hey, yeah, I'll go yeah. out and get these, get you some shooters. Well, um, he knew what he needed. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right, and, and filling in. But so now, Ryan, you went with though you went with a bit different pick. You went with Quinn Snyder, correct for your for your coach of the year, which was a bit. Of, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Interesting. Um, that's been an interesting selection. I don't know, you know, probably a name not too many people are thinking right now. What was your thought process behind that? 
Well, I'll I'll speak to DeAnthony first, and that was probably yeah. number two for me. Uh, the reason that I did not select DeAnthony is because you're talking about James Harden here. You're talking about the 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 big big decision to center your offense around your stars your star ball handler. I'm thinking, okay, well, is how hard of a decision is that really? Is it if you've got shooters? and you know that Patrick Beverly sucks at handling the basketball most of the time and creating, then giving the ball to your best creator and telling him, hey, we want you to still score, but we also want you to pass the ball a little bit more. I don't think that's as big of a revolution as many people have yeah. made it out to be. Uh, Harden has always been a high assist guy. Uh, he just became a super high assist guy because his usage rate and assist rate went through the roof this year. Um, and to me, that speaks to the Derek Rose, hey, we're going to rely on you heavily this year to do everything. So, and, but I don't think that makes Tom Thibodeau that much of a yeah. better head coach. Now, wh- why I went with Quinn Snyder was because his job this year was much more difficult. You talk about signing a point guard that only plays basically half of the season. He was supposed to be a huge piece, and when he did play the half of the season that he played, he was a huge piece. You've got this guy, and you've also got Gordon Hayward, who missed time. And you've got, you're integrating Joe Johnson, and you're talking about uh, Derek Favors, who used to be a major piece, and he missed time. And you're integrating Boris Diaw, and he missed some time, but he's one of the worst starters in the in the league, Boris Diaw was for most of the year, and they still managed to get into a tie for home court advantage right. in the West. That team went through much more turmoil. They're centered around a defensive concept, and to have a defensive concept right that like that, and to also generate the necessary offense, it takes a lot more buy-in from your players. And I think that really speaks to what Quinn Snyder has done. I think that he's been excellent. I think that his schemes and his use of Joe Ingles and guys like that off of the bench and eventually moving Ingles into the starting lineup has been excellent. I I think that he's a very underrated coach, and what he does in Utah is not talked about very much at all in comparison to a guy like that. Those are great points. I mean, and you really do bring it up – all the stuff that he did. Also, I mean, Rudy Gobert had had a great year, you know, um, which which you got to yeah. give Snyder some credit for too. That's that, those are great points. Um, how about so for worst coach, which is uh, that was actually one of the tougher ones for me to pick. I ended up going out with Alvin Gentry just because I think Alvin Gentry a is an awful coach, um, but b because he had when you got a player like Anthony Davis on your roster and you can't get anything. And, and in the past. Uh, the the Pelicans I've given you get a pass because they've really been not been healthy. They were fairly healthy um, this season. Anthony Davis was was definitely healthy. He played over seventy games. They get DeMarcus Cousins also at the trade deadline, um, and they just and granted I'll give it a, a tough task in integrating two big men, making that work together. But uh, obviously I mean hey, Nuggets can do it. But uh, they. Um, they did, it didn't really work that uh, Cousins and, and, and Davis really never jived. In fact, they really got off to a slow start with each other. Um, and, and that's what ended up, basically, they traded for Cousins to make a playoff push, and, and that's actually what ended up pretty much knocking him out of it. 
Um, I just think, you know, once again, uh, just a really, a really lackluster season for a team with that kind of star level power. And then Gentry just had just really had no idea about what he was going to do once he got Cousins and, there. And you're not um, wrong. And especially Gentry, I don't know, man. For a guy who was supposed to be... Golden State's funny because they had Gentry as the offensive wizard and Malone as the defensive wizard. And Gentry hasn't shown he knows mm-hmm. how to do anything with offense since he left Golden State. And Malone's defenses have been crap. So, <laughs> like... I don't know what's going on in the water over there in Golden State, but the coaches who've come out of there have had it a little rough to start. Um, I I guess I have more faith, though, in Malone's ability to adapt because he's uh, – Gentry, when he's been a head coach, has not been very adaptable at all. And Malone has been like, yeah. you know, I have principles, and I'm throwing them out the window because my roster doesn't match them. Um, and so yeah, he's well, I, he I think – and the other thing about Malone, I would say, is I think he's, he's probably... It seems like he's having some struggle getting buy-in um, necessarily from all of his players, obviously, because they yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. they can't play any defense. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another reason to draft him a guy who loves defense. Yeah. You know, get well, him a guy who's young and hungry right. and who wants to have every, hear everything you have to say about defense, and maybe we'll make a start on that. There you go. There you go. So now, Gordon, you went with Fred Hoiberg. Um for worst coach, which I thought was interesting because the Bulls made the playoffs, man. Yeah, yeah, it's the East. <laughs> I still think that's a great pick. But it's I think that's what you do, though, no, with no, Rondo man. and Wade and yeah, Butler. But, I mean, but Hoiberg had everybody quitting on him. He had that's people true. who were public. Yeah, that's His team true. publicly called him out. Like, I mean, you have multiple superstars who hate each other and are saying it in public. You think Malone's having trouble getting buy-in. Hoiberg <laughs> has a bunch of players who <laughs> think he's fair. a moron. Like, you know, he didn't handle his personalities well at all. Um, And maybe he needs a younger team, but then his general manager is going to have to go get that for him, and his general manager seems to have no desire to do that, and in fact backed his coach over his star player in their postseason news conferencing. So I think it's just a mess over there, and maybe that's not all Hoiberg's fault. But Hoiberg, again, had no idea how to tailor his uh, his team to his – or his – style to his roster um and so what he wants to do he can't do and that's not necessarily his fault but he didn't coach to the players he had either and they all hated him so yeah i i have an issue with with hoiberg i think he's he seems like a cute college coach but he reminds me of who was it muscleman for the warriors back a few years ago Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know uh, where you're you're it's adorable that what you did in college you, you do and you like but I haven't seen anything yet that makes me think, yep, there's a studly uh, pro coach who's going to, you know, dominate the league soon. Hoiberg, Hoiberg has got to, like, not get fired, basically. That's his goal next year. Because if they yeah. pull this crap again, he's going to be in trouble. Yeah, he's, I think he's in trouble. I don't know what oh, I yeah. want, to be honest with you. I just don't see I don't think the Bulls are – I don't think they're on the upward trend, let's put it that way. Uh, nope. But I'll, I'll, I'm happy to take Jamie Butler off their hands and let them try it. We'll give them a couple That's of three-point shooters and everything. Exactly, yeah. Well, and, the, and, the, and that very will kill happen. So now, now Ryan, you picked a guy who, sadly to say, I actually, in our preview of the season, I my predicted uh, coach of the year ends up getting Ryan's vote for worst <laughs> coach of the year at the end Oops. of the year. Which that would be f- uh, yeah, nice right, job. exactly. Well, and, and it's fair. So you went with Frank Vogel um, of the Magic, which, man, there's a lot of 
There's a lot of blame to There's go so around. There's so much blame, yeah, for for Orlando, like you could just heaping piles of blame for everyone. Absolutely, but so Ryan, what were your thoughts on it? To me, to me, what you've got, and I know that Rob Hennigan is certainly a guy who could make the worst well, executive of the year, and that could. And I I know that I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the list here, and most people went with Jackson except for we, Daniel, we went who Hennigan. went with Hennigan. But you're talking, you're talking about a guy who decided, all right, I'm going to play my young star yep. out of position. And I know that sounds familiar, but we're talking about a guy who did it consistently and who tried to turn him into a small forward. Yeah. Michael Malone decided very, very quickly that, okay, this isn't going to work, so we're going to scrap it and we're going to center everything around Jokic being better. That never really happened with Aaron Gordon until the second half of the year. We're talking about a guy who had the talent with Serge Ibaka, with Aaron Gordon, with Bismack Biombo, and with Alfred Payton to be an an exceptional defensive team. Not just a great team, an exceptional team. And they finished the year 24th in defensive rating. On top of the known offensive struggles that they would have, they were 29th in offensive rating. That team <laughs> sucked. They were so bad. Unwatchable. And we were talking about a guy that, it was, it was just, yeah, you're talking about abysmal and the worst possible adjectives for watchability in the NBA. And... That, that to me, goes a lot into not just the executives or the players, but the coach who couldn't come up with a way to scheme offensively or defensively to have some talent. And, like, they, they did try and win. That, that was their goal this year up until the trade deadline when they yeah. moved to Baca, was they were trying to win, and they couldn't do it. Yeah, no, they, uh, they like we said, there's, there's a lot of blame to go around there. And, and you're right, I mean, they... The other thing, too, to think about that that's on a coach, and maybe not just fairly to put it on the head coach, but definitely on his staff, is player development. And yeah. um, for whatever reason, Mario Hazonia has not been... That was I mean, my other point, Hazonia too, yeah. looked like what was one of those guys who you thought could be a game-changer, maybe a Clay Thompson's type of um, guy, and he has just been... If you think Moutier's been bad, Hazonia might actually be worse um, from and they both came out of that same draft, both very high draft picks. Yeah, it's true. Um, so it's 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 definitely fair criticism. Definitely um, another guy who was who was well deserving. And and if you're talking about player development, you got to talk about Alfred yep. Payton and Aaron Gordon too. Neither of those guys showed extensive improvement at all, and they should have by now. We are talking about a third year point guard with Peyton who had the ball in his hands for yeah. the majority. Yeah, I know you're absolutely right, and it's. Um, it's uh, it's it's gonna be interesting to see what the what the Magic do because their their team. A lot of people looked at them to be similar to like the Nuggets of this team with a really nice looking young core, um, and for whatever reason it is not um, it has not worked out there. And I think Frank Vogel is, is certainly um, like I said I think he certainly shares the blame. Uh, well, their right, plan well, of getting those guys to like you know sign their second contracts before they get good apparently is working out perfectly. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's the long con. That's yeah. What we're working on there. Um, tell you what, we'll do one more. We'll go. We'll go with the executive since we were we we touched on it briefly. Um, we'll go. We'll start with worst executive since we were talking about. Like we said, Rob Hennigan got the one vote. 
Uh, from Dan, fair enough vote. Uh, the the Ibaka trade was just a uh, an absolute disaster for him. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if they did really anything. I mean, they gave they gave Biombo yeah. um, a pretty pretty decent sized contract as well, if I remember right. Um, Four hundred yeah, seventy two right, million. So, uh, you you talk you talk about a Timofey Mozgov contract. Biombo yeah, got more. Yeah. Nuts, man. Yeah, yeah. Just yet another, yet another one of those those people who just really went overboard with this, with this exploding cap and ended up giving way too much money to a guy who wasn't worth it. Um, everybody else, though, all three of us included, voted for Phil Jackson, who I thought I could not believe Daniel voted for Rob Hennigan because I was like, I almost think he was just trying to be a bit of a contrarian because uh, he was one of the last people to get his vote in, so he saw who everybody else was voting for, um, because. There is no way this award can go to anyone other than Phil Jackson. In fact, if we were going to give a stiff of the year award, <laughs> I would probably give it to Phil Jackson. Yes. Um, because it was just an absolute unmitigated disaster from day one all the way out into the end of the season where you've got not only has it, so everything else has been going wrong with the Knicks of the year from Derrick Rose not showing up from the ridiculous contract he gave Joachim Noah uh, to at the beginning of the offseason to the uh, th- throwing Carmelo Anthony like under the bus in this weird sort of passive-aggressive way on Twitter. At the very end of the season, you have Chris Epps, Porzingis, your, your one true like solid foundational piece on your roster – and he he decides to skip out on on exit interviews and um and as far as I know is is yet to talk with anybody from Knicks management, and he says because they're so dysfunctional. I mean, how does that guy? I don't I don't I don't understand how anybody could have voted for anyone else. Um, it's unbelievable as, as the, the the amount of hubris involved in the idiocy going on over there. You know, I'm waiting for this for this Carmelo thing to turn into a pyrrhic victory. When Porzingis, who didn't show up for his, you know, year-end uh, debrief, basically, uh, when he says, I'm not going to resign with you, so let it go. I'm waiting for that, <laughs> where he's like, I got rid of Carmelo, and then, you know, their their big draft pick doesn't says, eh, that's cool, I'm done. I have no patience with you. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just an unbelievably uh, poor way to run any business, let alone a billion-dollar you know, uh, New York, he's got everything that he should need there to convince people to come, and free agents are treating them like they have the plague. Like, you know, you can't come within the city uh, as a free agent because you might come down with something and, you know, lose your basketball career. <laughs> like, it's just awful over there. Uh, I, it's, it's just yeah. noxious. It's an awful, awful environment, and I, I don't, wouldn't wish it on anybody, even though I hate the Knicks. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Um, yeah, it... it's an abject, it's an abject failure to not put Kristaps Porzingis in the best position after what he did in his yep. first season. Like, and we, like we're we're over here at Denver Stiffs are a little bit biased because we think that Jokic is. is the better yeah. prospect, yeah. and he is. Uh, but you're you're still talking about a guy who could potentially yeah, no, be a Chris top twenty player really, in the NBA really someday, yeah, Porzingis, yeah. and. He's, he still has that he still has that Dirk potential and then maybe even more so than than a guy like Jokic does. But what we're talking about here is a guy who signed Joakim Noah, who, who put the ball in Derrick Rose's hands and said, 
hey, we're going to have you run the offense, and then when we're done with you, we're going to let Carmella run the offense, and then when we're done with you, we'll and, let and not Chris just any offense, offense. We're going to force the me, triangle that's down just your throat absurd. as well. Exactly, and an an archaic way to bring out the best in a player like Kristaps Porzingis. It's, you're talking about a guy who's who's not Michael right. Jordan, who's not Kobe Bryant. He's Kristaps Porzingis, and while he he can do that, and he will do that in all likelihood for the next couple of years. I, I don't see that going well for him in his development as a player. There are so many things that Chris Tapps could be doing to getting better right now, and there's so many ways that Phil Jackson could be helping and Stagnating assisting him in that. Stagnating is the most but, awful thing. Right, yeah. When you're putting... Yeah, when you're, when you're talking about putting a guy like Joaquin Noah out there, you, you had Guillermo uh, Willie Hernan Gomez, who was a much better option, just twice the player that Joakim Noah was when he was out there. And they barely even gave a moment's notice to Hernan Gomez. Like that, It's just absurd what they're doing over there. And I really hope that he can get out of there. And I would love to make a oh, move yeah. for Porzingis. And if we could get him for Emmanuel Moutier, then great. Do it. Do whatever you can. Uh, Jamal Murray is a little bit more shaky. But, like, Chris Tapps is... He's yeah, wasting. He's going to keep wasting away. It's like there's a ghost of Billy King running the running the Knicks. I don't know what the hell's going on uh, over there. I think I think the uh, the the answer is probably a guy by the name of James Dolan. Is um, yeah, I would start looking. Um, start at the owner, uh, man. Because well, we didn't is, even talk about we didn't even talk about that. Uh, you know the whole James Dolan Charles Oakley fiasco yeah, no that kidding. happened as well. So well, and and it's going to be oh the problem God. they're going to have yeah. over there is they don't have the right coach and they don't have the right GM. So in yeah. two years, you're going to be looking for a new coach, a new GM, and you're going to be trying to sell Porzingis in his free agency, like on the fact that you can make this happen and he should not hold out or demand a trade go, or, or, yeah, or go somewhere else and then, cause then you're back to square one. Um, or, or sign the qualifying offer and that's what I would expect him to do. I think he would just sign a qualifying offer and say that's adorable, but I'm not going to sign yeah. your extension. I'll sign the QO. I'll become an unrestricted free agent, and then good luck to you. And at that point, they would then have to trade him and, and just cause an entire <laughs> other fiasco. Of, they would get pennies on a dollar for him at that yeah. point as well because everybody knows that, that he was going out of there. Yep. All right, so tell you yep. what, so let's go to our, let's go to our executives Gosh. of the year and then, and then we'll, we'll call it a show. Um, so me and Ryan, we both went with Daryl Morey. Um, I mean, from my, my, my viewpoint on that, it was, look, he, he, he gambled on Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson gave them big contracts as well. We've been talking about a lot of these big contracts who haven't worked out. Those two actually worked out pretty well. Right. Those guys, Eric Gordon more so than anybody, was actually healthy for the first time since his rookie season. And that has always, always, always been the deal with Eric Gordon. Um, but he gets both those guys that help out their shooting. He also signs Nene, which is an under uh, was really an under-the-radar deal. You yeah, saw how that was in the, in the conference yeah. things. Yeah. That's 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 their that's their most valuable yeah. signing of the season yeah, dollar oh. for dollar. Because Nene saved them in a couple of playoff games this year and he made them he made it as he easy as possible for James Harden. He also saved went down with injury, man. Like that was a huge deal for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean he was uh absolutely. and like I said he was under the radar. I mean there was there was some talk certainly that uh that maybe Nene might be done. Uh, and obviously, it, it kind of goes in with who Nene is as a person. He's not a guy who's ever been 
one who I he wouldn't be a guy I would say who loves basketball necessarily. Um, he said he but, doesn't, so it's, we're not. We're, that's not slander. Yeah, he, he personally has said that he enjoys getting paid, but he doesn't really enjoy basketball. But for a guy who doesn't because, enjoy basketball, he's pretty damn good at it. He's pretty good, and who doesn't? Who doesn't enjoy getting paid? Let's be honest. I would uh, go play basketball for that kind of cash. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a fan of getting. I'll say I'm a fan of getting money as well. So we're not going <laughs> to knock Nene on that. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> tough to be a 6'10 soccer player too. So yeah, you know, well, I, gonna, I mean, you're going to play goalie, and that's that's about all you can do you know, <laughs> at that point. But uh, uh, and then also, you know what Maury did in the offseason? He he locked up James Harden long term. So that was um, yeah, no, that I'm was kidding. a big, that's good deal. a nice big deal. Uh, and for a good yeah, for, for a, a good for a, cost, for a reasonable yeah. price for a guy that um, of that caliber, um, it's it's market value for sure. Now, so um, Ryan, anything else would you add to to why you you thought Maury should get executive the year? No, I think it pretty well hit it on the head. I think that I think that he definitely deserves executive of the year more than Mike D'Antoni deserves right. coach of the year. Although D'Antoni well, is a that's, good choice, that's part of it too, uh, though, right? For is me, he also hired Mike D'Antoni. He hired Mike D'Antoni, yeah, right. Yeah, so I mean, you're talking about a guy who who is really committed to his vision. He's really said, "All right," and oh, and another thing that he did was he let James he let yep. Dwight Howard walk. <laughs> He didn't. He got. He got out of that contract and said, "All right, this is this didn't work. I move Ty Lawson. I move uh, Dwight Howard, and I clean house from the the mess that was the year prior, and had a lot of improvement." Can you imagine though? If, so if Wancho I think was there, that, can you imagine how uh, good they yeah. would be going forward if they had Wancho playing for them? Oh my god! That. Well, you see, I was talking with uh with Jeff on. Twitter a little bit earlier, and he he mentioned Houston as a potential Absolutely. Gallo destination. Yeah. So you're talking like, hey, that that makes a lot of sense. Like, hey, become the second scorer in the starting unit, keep Eric Gordon on the second unit, and yeah, yeah. go. And that that team really has a chance of getting around offense, the finals, forget defense, so. and just and gun the hell out of the whole game thing. Yeah, that's fine. How terrible would that? How terrible would that? You have to watch Harden and Gallo at the same time, like that'd be so non- fantastic. That'd be, that'd be <laughs> stop flopping all over the place. <laughs> Ugh, I would not. Hands I will. Up. I will not be going attending those games at the Pepsi Center. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> so now, Gordon, oh, you voted. Uh, you voted for Bob Myers, of course, GM with the um, with the Golden State Warriors. Obviously, you, you, there's a little bit of the hey, he signed Kevin Durant. So you, if you sign the second best player on the planet, then you know you're you probably <laughs> did pretty good. Like yeah, it, right. it, your your team didn't need him, um, but you also made sure that you had a coaching. Uh, you, you know, you've got Mike Brown there, so that when mm-hmm. Steve Kerr's having these problems. You have a guy with head coaching experience in the playoffs. You yeah, have a here's guy. My, here's my thought on this, on that, just specifically. Uh, now that we've seen Mike Brown, um, who, well, we, we can talk about all, everything Mike Brown and his his list of 
non-accomplishments. But uh, uh, no, so Mike Brown's Mike Brown's winning now. We saw Luke Walton win a ton of games with it. I'm pretty sure Gordon that I could go probably coach the Warriors here this in the conference finals, and they're still going to make it. Hey, remember um, Tyron Wu says that coaching LeBron James is the hardest coaching job in all of basketball. Right. Right. So you know, I assume then coaching Steph Curry must be the second hardest job in all of basketball. It's just that they're really lucky that they keep finding guys who can do it. It's amazing. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, he also had the the most efficient player in the playoffs. Yep. JaVale, JaVale McGee. McGee. Now that is that is a saying. very under the radar like <laughs> move. Like absolutely, like they needed a center when uh, no matter what when they when they decide to let Bogut go so they'd have the room to sign yep. Durant. They were left with a huge hole at center, and they got obviously they signed Zaza uh, Pachulia, who's near. Um, but he, he's been, he's been decent, but JaVale McGee, <laughs> talk about picking a guy up off the scrap heap, man. I mean, JaVale McGee's career was over and, and now he's got a chance. He might win a championship and be a significant contributor to a championship team. It's just oh, crazy. Yeah. Well, like I said, it, it, he patched holes. He like, may that, sign. The guy who, who patched holes and he's making money for other people. Um, and if he has somebody, if Durant decides he's done and he doesn't like it there and he opts out, he's still not hurt by that. Like the, right. the Warriors can lose the second best player on the planet and still win the title next year. And they'd still be the the number one team in the yeah, West. Yeah, yeah. As, as opposed to you know the Oklahoma City Thunder who lost the second best player on the planet and turned into cannon fodder and you know a playoff team, but only on the back of one guy. Like right. it, the fact that Durant could make that big of a difference for Oklahoma City and make absolutely no difference for Golden State. You know, I, I find that to be pretty impressive. But yeah, I, I just went default with the guy that if you if you manage to work your roster so you could sign Durant and you talked him into coming, yeah, you're that's pretty damn impressive. Since you you took your rival and you gutted them because Oklahoma City was a, like one piece from becoming a serious threat to dethrone the Warriors, and and they just cut that head right off that snake. It was very very impressive. All right, guys, so we just heard there from Gordon and Ryan from last week, like I said, uh, but we're going to keep the Stiffy Award conversation going, and we're going to get into now some of the some of the maybe less heralded awards, I guess if you want to call that. Um, we'll start with with the uh, the award that one Nugget actually has a shot. Jokic was, was named, <coughs> excuse me, Jokic was named a finalist um, for this award just just, I think, yesterday. Um, but that's the, the most improved player of the year. Now I did not, I did not vote for Jokic, um, on our Stiffy Awards. If you guys want to, want to check out the Stiffy Awards, they're up on, um, denverstiffs.com or you probably the easiest way to find it would be to just Google Denver Stiffs Stiffy Awards. Um, or, or if you search a little bit down, they, they went up about a week ago, so they're a little bit down on the feed now, but, um, Obviously, all the finalists for the actual season end awards are, are, are just been out, so we, it's fairly um, still fairly relevant for us. But I voted for for Giannis Antetokounmpo for for most improved, just because I think uh, I, I have like a man crush on him. Not that I don't on Nikola Jokic, but um, I, I voted for him. I thought the he more so than anyone went from a kind of a, a hey, this guy's really good to. This guy might be one of the best, or, or in my opinion, is one of the best players in the league, um, which is why I voted for him. Dan, you agreed with me. How hard was it 
for you to, to pick between Giannis and Nikola? Uh, not very hard. <laughs> um, no. Even with, with the announcement of the All NBA teams as well, with Giannis making was it a second team? I think. Oh yeah, yeah second. Team. He, he made All NBA second team. Like, you know, he he wasn't even an All NBA player last season. He he was just amazing to watch and an extremely talented person. You can tell that he's put in a lot of hard work to to improve his game and he's developed to a point where his coach can trust him with the offense, but you know, he, he's an incredible talent and he, it seems like he's just putting more and more of his physical talents together and just becoming an awesome player. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, um, obviously LeBron's kind of at the back end of his career and I think Kevin Durant will, will, will be the natural successor as who we think is the best player in the league. Um, I don't think Giannis is going to be too far off from being that guy, though. Honestly, I think he's, I think he is that talented. Now, Ashley, you voted for Jokic, though. So, um, I guess just just take us through your thought process on 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 picking Jokic for most improved. I guess my thought was just kind of how drastically he came out from one month to the next in the in one season. You know, I think his overall improvement was so huge from the start of the season to, you know, like that December 15th marker. Um, obviously, kind of January is the time frame I really thought about, but um, I thought that it was just such a glaring difference. I don't know what happened. He just all of a sudden clicked or started feeling really comfortable, but um, I think the comparison was pretty huge in, a, in one season time frame. Yeah, I think, you know what What I think probably happened there is I think finally they just said, the coach and the organization as a whole said, all right, you're our guy. Um, you know, we, 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 we tried to make it work with you and Nurkic. We, we, we put you on the bench because we knew it was important for Nurkic to be a starter in his head. Um, but, the, but that's done. You're in the starting lineup. You're the guy. Not only are you going to be a starter, you're the person we're going to, we're going to basically look on to run the offense. Um, and uh, and it worked. It absolutely worked for him, and I think that's what really made him take off. The I think the other reason maybe I wouldn't vote for Jokic over Giannis is because it's his second season. It's it's as similar as as anything like when you start a new job. Um, you you you're the when you're first you go through that first period of of kind of orientation and, and getting acclimated to the job, and that's I think uh, mostly that's when you're at your least effective, and then once you kind of are are in into the flow of things and then you can really instead of focusing on okay how do i get integrated into this culture of this workplace you're now focusing on okay how do i execute my work at at the maximum um, ability that i can it's similar to that like when you're from when you go from your rookie year to your second year your rookie year you're just focused on how you can adapt and and work in the league and and especially a guy like Jokic who comes over from serbia and has i mean he's, he's adapting to a new country he's adapting um, to a totally different level of talent, and and it's all it's all coming at him very fast. That all happened last year. Now this year he can just go and play. Um, I think that because of that, like, and it, it, maybe it's not fair, but I, I knock him a little bit as far as most improved, just because I think that that almost comes naturally to any player, mm-hmm. um, just because newness you know, wore off. Right, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's why I went. Um, that that was another reason why I didn't go to go with him. So now we also, of course, with the stiffies, we do the uh, we do the the opposite to these. So which this would be least improved player. 
I voted for Matthew Delavadova. I have no reason voting for Matthew Delavadova other than I was like, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I'm going to pick a guy. So I went and looked. I was like, wow, Matthew Delavadova was awful this year. So he was he was a <laughs> on a he was a part of a rotation of a championship team last year. This year he was fairly awful for the Bucks. Um, that's why I voted for him. I thought both of you voted for Emmanuel Moutier, which I think is a way more interesting conversation. Um, so we're gonna, and, and if I could probably rethink it, I might, I might, uh, I might have voted that way as well. Um, Dan, your thoughts first. Why did you go with Moutier for least improved? So this will be like a throwback reference, but at the end of the 2015-2016 season, I wrote an article about things that Nicole, or not Nicole Yuich, sorry, Emmanuel Moutier was doing well and things that he could try to build off of those things into his next season. And, you know, I'm a huge Moutier fan, and I was really hoping that he'd be better this season, and he was terrible. Like, he was yep. still doing those stupid double-clutch jumpers. He yep. he didn't look, it didn't look like he improved his ability to ball handle at all. You know, he's just a mess on defense. Like, I guess maybe his, like, mid-range jumper was a little bit cleaner, but, like, he just... Right. He had... It looked like he was like, oh, I'm going to be the starter no matter what. And then the Nuggets drafted Jamal Murray. He's like, Moody was just thinking, ah, I'll still be the starter. I'm better than this guy. And then, like, didn't do anything to work on his game. It's like, you know, and he just showed up. And you would expect a a player in that kind of a situation to think, okay, hey, you know, I was a starter last year because they didn't really have anybody else. But I, I want to go out and I want to earn it this next season because they drafted the guy that can compete with me. And he just mailed it in. And it's, it was really discouraging to see him continue to struggle with the things that you know, were difficult for him in his rookie season. And it was so bad that, that at the end of the season, he was getting DNPCDs, you know, where the coaches yeah, were just like, it's, it's better for us to just not even play you like, than, than to put right. you on the court. It's better, well, it, hurts it, our, it hurts our team more to play you than to have you sit on the bench and do nothing. It's and that's and you hit it on the point. It hurts our team more because because they were trying to make the playoffs, right? And so they're like, we can play Jameer Nelson, um, who's not great. Um, even though, like, I, I mean, I've been fairly well documented saying I thought uh, you know, we got as much as we could out of Jameer this year. But um, you know, Jameer's not a great player. I mean, he's thirty six year old years old. He's at the very back end of his career. Um, and and but they went with him because they're like, we can with, with Jameer. We know he's solid. He's consistent. We know what we're getting night in, night out from him. And we think that gives us our best shot to make the playoffs. Whereas with you, like maybe if they were way out of the playoffs, they probably, I'm sure they probably would have kept playing him for, to help try and to him develop. But in terms of winning games, the way he helped them the most was by not being a part of that rotation. Um, Well, I mean, like Moody got benched for someone that is old enough to be his father. Like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, a little bit, a little bit, you know, you know, (laughs) high school or, yeah, he could have, you know, TV had show. too much fun on prom night. Teenage you know? dads. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. But sure, it's there. It's there. Um, Ashley, what did you think about uh, about Moutier's season? Because you voted least improved for him as well. Yeah, so I I have not been, and everybody knows this, a huge fan of Moutier. And um, in thinking about it and looking back on some of the things that he's done and the positions he was put in. I'm going to blame the Denver Nuggets organization a little bit for that. I think that they took a guy who played, you know, a handful of games overseas in China, but basically took a guy from high school and thrust him into the the spotlight as the starting point guard of 
the organization and the face of the team to lead all these guys. And, you know, yeah, he kind of fell down. And, and of course, <laughs> he did. And so I, I was disappointed, though, to see him kind of take that role for granted a little bit, like Daniel said. Um, however, I will say at the end of the season when he got his chance back, um, I am impressed at the way he handled that. He, he didn't come back in and, and pout like your um, uh, Nurkic did. I almost right. forgot his name. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> um, <laughs> We're almost there. <laughs> um, you know, he didn't pout. He came in and he got to work. So I think he's salvageable. But I'm, I'm hoping that he starts to get a little bit of that work ethic. And, you know, gosh, he was, yeah, basically out of high school coming into the, the NBA, that work ethic may take a little bit to develop since he didn't get to go to college and, and develop there. Right. And, and, you know, you bring up a great point about about and I, I 100 percent agree um, that, that I thought especially his rookie season, they mishandled him with the amount of pressure that was put on him. I understand why the Nuggets did it. I mean, we were just coming off the whole Ty Lawson fiasco. Um, and, and really, at that point, we were we were saying, okay, the Mellow era is officially dead. The George Carl era is pretty much dead. Um, we need a reboot. And we've just got this kid who, who was at one point uh, was considered to be the number one prospect um, then, of course, he doesn't go to SMU. He goes to China. He gets himself hurt. He doesn't play a bunch. He slides all the way to seven. But there was still a lot of hype around Moutier. So I understand why they did what they did. But you're right. They put a ton of pressure on this 19-year-old kid who was basically straight out of high school. Not only did they throw him in as starter day one at the probably the toughest position um, to play at 19 years old, uh, but they also... I mean, they made him the face of the franchise, and and they I mean, they shot a big promo with the slogan "It's a new day" with Moutier, you know, going out looking out over the city of the Denver. It was very much, hey, you're gonna be the guy, so get you know get to it. And when you think about it, guys coming out of high school, unless they're these crazy talents like a LeBron James. They take a few years to develop. In fact, Kobe Bryant didn't become a starter, a full-time starter, until actually his third season in the NBA. His rookie year, he only played like 15 minutes a game. So, and he ends up being, you know, one of the greatest players of all time. So, you look at look at him and the opportunity he was given to come up slowly um, versus what they did with Moutier, and it's understanding why he was so bad. However, I think, Dan, you bring up the great point, like, that, 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 should have it should have actually been a great uh, or opportunity for him to have a great springboard in his second season and work and get better, but he didn't, and perhaps it's because he was too comfortable thinking that hey, I'm always going to be the starter. They made me the face of the franchise, you know, like I've been the starter since day one. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe he felt like you know what, I don't have to, I don't have to put in the effort because no matter what way you want to slice it. He really did not improve. The only place you could say that he had any serious improvement was in his free throw shooting. Everywhere else, more or less the same. I mean, a little bit better. He got a little bit better across the board, but it wasn't for how bad he was last season and for how much has been expected of him, for how high his ceiling is, for him to only have this tiny little improvement is very disappointing. And so I think saying he's the least improved player or giving him that, that um, dubious title is, is I think it's fair. Um, I really like so, Emmanuel Moody. I mean, I, the first, go ahead. 
the first time I watched Emmanuel Moody play was the, um, I think it was the 2014 Nike Hoop Summit. And he was right. on the same team with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. And yep. Carl Anthony Towns was playing in that game, Justice Winslow, um, some really great players. Um, and Moody was like head and shoulders above everybody else. Like right. he really stood out in that game. And I remember watching that and thinking, wow, like this kid, it's no wonder he's so hyped. Like he has got some serious skills. And like to see him, you know, obviously go to China, but then play two full seasons at the NBA and like not have those, you know, that same kind of talent level just translate over. It just, it's very disappointing. Absolutely. And, and I want, what I want to say is, is, um, I like Moutier. I think, um, Dan, I know you're a big, big Moutier fan as well. Um, and I'm still pulling for him, and I still think he could be a very valuable part to this team. For all I know, for all we know, he could still actually pan out and be an excellent player. Um, we've seen, we've certainly seen flashes of it. There are moments um, or certain games where Moutier just has it going, and when he has it going, man, he's he's pretty unstoppable. I mean, if if he can, if he's finishing at the rim, um, there's he's one of the toughest players to defend on the team because there's no stopping him from getting to the rim. So, I think he can do it, but man, because because of of how little he improved this year, I mean the jury is the jury's out, and I think everybody, rightfully so, is a lot less optimistic um, about his long term prospects. So we'll go ahead. We'll move. Let's move on to the next award, which would be the Rookie of the Year. Um, rookie of the Year was was such a w- weird award this year because. Joel Embiid was running away with it. It was it was his award to lose. There was he wasn't going to lose it, and then he ends up getting hurt. He plays less than half the season, and so the the debate really became: How can you give a guy uh, a yearly award when he doesn't even play half of the year? Um, and I think that's justified, which is why I did not vote for him. I have um, I have just this biased uh, affinity towards Malcolm Brogdon of the. Of the Bucks, he was a guy I really, and it's it's for the the most ridiculous reason. I'll tell you why. I I've always been so such a fan of Brogdon. It's ever since the NBA draft combine because he had the most ridiculous hand measurements of like any player. He for for his size, for how tall he is, his hands are freaking huge. And it's I and it worked out right because I looked at it right then. I was like, that's a guy they should take because he's got giant hands. He's probably gonna be pretty good. And uh, and he is. He, <laughs> He had a he had an awesome season, um, so that's why I voted him for him. I'll admit it's a little biased. I probably, if I was looking at body of work overall impact, I'd probably go Dario Saric. Um, which Dan, that's that's the way you went. So I'll get you, I'll get your opinion first. Why why Saric for rookie of the year? Uh, I I just couldn't go with Embiid because he didn't play enough games, and Saric had the best season. I feel like I mean Brogdon played point guard, kind of for the Bucks, but like. He was on a really great team that helped him out a lot, you know. It, yeah, absolutely. It helps take some pressure off when you're playing with guys like Greg Monroe and Giannis. Um, Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton came back, had a good season. Tony Snell had a good season. Matthew Dellavedova had been to the NBA Finals the year before and kind of give him some advice. Like, sure. he's playing for Jason Kidd, a Hall of Fame point guard. And he had a good season. I just think that Sarge did better on a worse team and you know he didn't have a beginning but that doesn't necessarily 
Brogdon was the best rookie because his team won the most games. You know, if, if we're going to go by that, then the best rookie was Patrick McCaw or DeJounte Murray, you know. <laughs> right. And, and those guys weren't those guys weren't the best rookies in the league, so you you know you have to go by another factor. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, you know what? Patrick McCaw is I mean, he's money. Don't don't get me wrong. He uh I, I he had the most exciting end to a preseason game of, of anybody this season, so I'll give him that award. Ashley, you did go with Joel Embiid. Um so for you was it just uh just he was just so so overwhelmingly ahead of everybody when he got injured that you just couldn't pass him up? You know, I think it was a little bit of that, but also I kinda was like pulling for the guy because I'm like, man, he's in his I think it was his third year in the actual NBA and he's finally getting to play. And so I had kind of, I wrote about him for for a different website and I um, kind of learned about his plight a little bit. So I kind of was just sympathizing with the guy's journey. He just been through such a, you know, the process, but truly before he got to Philadelphia, he had been through quite a process. And so I, I wrote, I voted for him for that reason, but I, in retrospect, I kind of wish I might have given more attention to Jalen Brown. I, I really had liked him at the beginning of the season. And obviously, to your point, Daniel, his team won a lot of games. So that makes him a little more visible, I guess you'd say. But I think he's also done a really great job this year. He's going to be key for Boston, I think. Yeah, the interesting thing about Jalen Brown and, and so much with these awards is they're so stats based because I think a lot of time, I mean, there's so many games. And so when the guys are people who are voting on this, they don't have a chance to watch everything. Everybody knows about the MVP candidates because those are the games are usually turning into their you know, winning teams, great star players. They want to watch those. These kind of rookie of the year and some of these more lesser awards. I think people don't get a chance to watch. They go too much off the stat books and a guy like Jalen Brown doesn't necessarily show up in the stats. Um, because he's he's a particularly he's a, he's a great defender or had profiles to be a great defender. Um, he he does a lot of the he's he's a smart he's a very smart basketball player, um, and so he does a lot of those things that those little things that like so they don't necessarily show up um, on the box score. The interesting thing too about just this award is you could really go anyway. I mean you could you could convince me with you could make an argument for Jamal Murray. Um, there's probably a handful of other guys who, again, that I, I don't watch enough because I, I don't watch all, all the games out there that probably did really well. Um, and I guess what it comes down to is without Embiid playing the whole season, it was kind of like a crapshoot that there really was nobody who was that deserving, but you got to give it to somebody. Um, and so it'll be interesting. It'll actually be very interesting to see who ends up winning that one. Now, on the other side of, of the coin, the worst rookie... Um, of the year award was uh, at least on the site was a little bit um, a little bit divided, and I thought there were there were some really good uh, really good candidates here. I just I was just looking at your at your vote, Dan, and it made me laugh um, just because that guy's funny. So we'll get to oh, so I'll go to you first, Dan. Giorgio's Papagiannis, the pick that at during draft night we all looked up and said what, and we said oh yeah, all right, the Kings, that makes sense. Um, did he even play this season? He did. Yeah, he, he did. did. All right, <laughs> he got some minutes after uh, Demarcus Cousins was traded, but I mean, okay. I, just... he was what the tenth pick in the draft, I think. Like he was something like that. He came. He went really high, and it was, uh, like I said, it was one of the more eyebrow raising, um, one of the more eyebrow raising picks of the of the of the draft. Not one of the more. It was the most eye raising eyebrow raising. He went thirteenth overall. 
Okay, 13th overall. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> right where the Nuggets are picking. <laughs> history. Um, well, I, I mean, Papa Giannis, he, may, he might not even have been a second-round pick, you know, and he got taken in the first round and just made, like, zero impact on the Kings. You know, we hardly even know if he's going to be able to play next season because from what it looks like, Scala Bissier is a much better player than he is. He was taken, yeah. like, 15 picks later. So, I mean, if anytime you can get upstaged by another rookie that was taken, like, 20 picks later than you, like, that's pretty impressive work right there. So... You know, for him, for him to be like at best the fourth big for the Kings for the next three or four years, like that just, it's just such a terrible. I mean, it's a terrible pick. He's also a terrible player. <laughs> that is, to, to put it lightly. Uh, yeah, I'm but you're right, man. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know what the Kings were doing with that pick. Um, he so he, here's here's some stats for you. He played 22 games. Um, and he got about 16 minutes per, per game there. He averaged five points, 5.6 points, 3.9 rebounds, less than one block. Uh, he shot all right. He's, uh, 50, 54, right, almost 55% from the field. Um, but you're right. I mean, he had zero impact, uh, on the Kings and for them to take the, him so highly. And he, I mean, he spent a lot of time down in the D league, uh, for, with uh with Reno and and for for that guy for for that guy to your top your thirteenth overall pick to basically have no impact, um, especially when there was a lot of other talent on the board that you could have gone with. Um, you're right. It's it's um. It was certainly it's certainly disappointing for him. Ashley, you went with. Let me see here. You went with Chris Dunn, who a lot of people mm-hmm. voted for Chris Dunn, um, and that one, that one, I think was is definitely uh, uh, understandable. But but what was your th- your thinking on that one? I mean, he's an older player given his rookie status. He's twenty three years old, and you know he was. Everybody was talking about him in the twenty sixteen draft class. Like, oh man, he's going to be so great and. He comes in from Minnesota and he averages what, you know, 3.8 points per game. And it's like, obviously he's probably not getting a ton of minutes, but I don't know. I really, I am, I am of the thought that, you know, high draft picks are sometimes a little overrated, to be honest. Uh, Kobe Bryant and Carl Malone were both 13, 13. There you go. So so there you go, Dan. It goes, it goes both ways. You could get, you could get Kobe, you could get... You could get uh, and Nicole Jokic. He was a uh, Nicole Jokic was forty one. Forty one, yeah. right? Isaiah yeah. Thomas was sixty, right? So, so, but yeah, Chris Dunn. I mean, obviously he's a rookie, so he deserves and will get the opportunity to improve. But it was just kind of like, all for all the hype, it was kind of a meh kind of season for him. Yeah, so it was it was very similar to kind of what what the the Nuggets went through with Moutier the season before, and, and a similar type of player. When when I wrote the the article for the Stiffy Awards, I wrote Chris Dunn. His the high point of his season might have been that first uh, summer league game um, against the Nuggets when he, he looked great. I mean, he was he was taking Moutier to task, uh, and then it was just all downhill from there. He never really cracked the rotation. I mean, there there was talk like, oh, they're gonna have to trade Ricky Rubio so they can figure out how they're gonna get Chris Dunn in here. Oh my gosh! Uh, I mean, right? Rubio ends up having a really good season, and uh, and Chris Dunn just does nothing. I th- I definitely think that was um, he was certainly certainly well deserving uh, of the nomination. I went with Brandon Ingram, 
uh, with the Lakers, which was hard for me. I was very high on Ingram in the draft. I thought he was the best prospect of everyone, even better than Ben Simmons. Um, and it just goes to show you why you don't put your put your chips in for a Duke guy because they always do this to us. Um, but the thing that the reason the number one reason why I voted for Ingram was because Ingram came uh, into the season and into the draft as touted as one of the best, if not the best shooter in the entire draft. Um, people want to com- ke- compare him to Kevin Durant. Some of that's just a lazy comparison because they're both tall, skinny guys. Um, but some of them was legit. I mean, they're small forwards who, who were great shooters and also great scorers. Uh, he ends up shooting 29% from three. He shoots 40% from the field overall. Those are terrible numbers by any measure. And for a guy who was so, he shoots 62% from the free throw line. I mean, for a guy who was touted as supposed to be such a great offensive weapon, such a great shooter, he absolutely came out and was terrible. Um, and he played 28 minutes a game, so it wasn't like it was uh, he wasn't getting consistent time. He just didn't he just didn't produce. So that and for to be he was also the number two overall pick. I mean, and and everybody said this is a two player draft. Everybody else is you know lousy. It's only two guys. Well, the first guy in the draft, the other player was Ben Simmons. He didn't play a single game. Ingram should have by that thought process should have ran away uh, with rookie or at least Embiid should have been the only guy he had to worry about. He ends up coming nowhere close. The Lakers end up getting the second overall pick again. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's just just an awful season from him. I still got hope for Ingram. Uh, I still like him. I think he's uh, he's got potential to be a great player. But he was he was my vote. Uh, I want to get to hey, the last if, one. If it, Go ahead. If it makes you feel better about the Lakers. Uh, they're projected to take another tall player who's rumored to be a good shooter. Skinny, bad on Skinny. defense. So we'll see how that works out. <laughs> also has a incredibly volatile father. So yeah. oh, <laughs> Lord. we will see. Yeah, we, we're not. No, that is all right. Rule rule one. That person's name will never be uttered on my. He can get on my podcast or on our <laughs> podcast. He can get publicity. Plenty of places will not get it from the pickaxe. All right. <laughs> I want to get on to the last one here because we're going to we're getting re- pretty late. Um which is we want we wanted to go over the defensive player of the year award in worst defender. I was very much on the Rudy Gobert train for a long time. At the last second, I changed my mind. I went with Draymond Green, which I believe is all of us voted for Draymond Green on this one. Um, Ashley, I know you're a huge Draymond fan, so I'll let you lead us off on this one. Why why does he deserve to be defensive player of the year? I think because not only is he an incredible defender, but he is. Uh, he is the fire to the Golden State Warriors. I don't believe the Warriors are the Warriors without Draymond Green. I think he brings them all together, and I think he sets that pace uh, through his defense. And obviously some questionable defense at times. I'm not going to say that I fully support all of his uh, methodology. But um, I just dig his his passion. You know, he gets in players' faces, and he's just he's that guy on the court. And it starts with the defensive end, which I think needs to start for every team. You know, offense does great when the defense does what does well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we should point out there that one of the main reasons I've ever, I mean, a he's he's just a beast. I mean, he's he's just as solid as a rock. But he's got that nasty which you need, which all great defenders have that, and and he's got it, and and he uses it to his advantage. He uses it to get under guys' skin, which is an effective way 
Um, for some players, some players you try and get under their skin, and you know the greats, the really great players. If you if you get under their skin, they just they just take you to task. But um, a lot of guys that lets them affect him, lets them get him out of their game. He's great at doing that. Dan, what were your thoughts on his season? Well, so one of my favorite players from the growing up was Gary Payton, um, because sure. he would just get into people's head and just humiliate them, <laughs> and uh, they, people just lose their minds playing against Gary Payton. And I feel like people have the same. The same thing happens when they go against Draymond. They just they just lose their minds because he gets under their skin and he gets inside their head. And I mean, like it, this obviously it's a regular season award, but something happened in the postseason I thought was just it just epitomized Draymond's ability, to, you know, as the clear cut number one defender in the league. And Damian Lillard was driving trying to score on Draymond. And like Damian Lillard's a pretty good guard. He's really athletic. He can shoot threes from very deep, you know, finish at the rim. And he drove a couple times and Draymond blocked him like two or three times in a row. And after one, the last one, Damian Lillard just was like laying on the court and just like put his head on his hand. It's just like, I can't believe he blocked me that time again. And it's just like, you know, Dave, Draymond is able to guard Damian Lillard from the perimeter all the way to the rim. And just like, there's no chance of Damian Lillard scoring when Draymond switches onto him. And it's, it's, he's such an impressive defender and, you know, like Ashley brought up the other things too. There's, you know, he he inspires his teammates. I think to be great on defense as well. He, yeah, absolutely. He, I mean, it was a hard cho- it was a hard choice for me between Draymond and Kawhi Leonard, but I, yeah. I just think Draymond has the edge there. Yeah, I I and I I agree. Um, Draymond is he's just uh, he like 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 we said he he's just got everything and, and and he takes that will out of players like you said Dan I mean Lillard got to that point where he's just like dude I just like why why even try it? and then also what you point out which which we we maybe haven't touched on enough is his versatility I mean that guy a lot of times the hyperbole gets thrown around um, Willie Cauley Stein is one guy who I've heard this where they say. Uh, why he can defend positions one through five. And I'm like, yeah, I'd like to see him try and defend some of these point guards. And I'd like to see him try and defend Steph Curry. I don't think he's going to be able to do it. Um, Draymond Green can defend players one through five. That That's not hyperbole. That is the truth. He's he's big enough and strong enough to go, go up against the, even the toughest centers in the NBA. He's quick enough. Um, and athletic enough to be able to defend point guards, and then he's got that size to go along with it. I mean, if you try, if, a, if you're smaller than him and you're trying to go up against him, you got no shot. It's just, it's just the way it is. So, I mean, like, like we all—it's why we all agree, I think, on this one. And and most people inside, there was a couple, a couple votes for Rudy Gobert, which I understand. Um, but but he just clearly was the best best defender this year, and and, and in my opinion, I mean the best defender probably in, in the NBA right now. You can make an argument, I think, there for Kawhi, but um, I think we all are in agreement that it's Draymond. We were not in agreement on, on worst defensive player. In fact, that was one of the, um, well, no, I, the guy, so who I, I voted for Isaiah Thomas, um, a couple other people on the site, neither you, uh, you, of you two voted for him, but um, Isaiah is, is an amazing player. Uh, offensively, he's, he's and, and what he's able to accomplish um, given his size on offense is really impressive. It, without a doubt, hurts him um, quite a bit on defense, and I think it's in his head now at this point. I mean, he even had the press conference in the in the playoffs where he said, hey, you know what, they all say I'm the worst uh, defender in the NBA. That's cool. I'm, I am the worst. Um, I think it's got to that point, right, where, where it's in his head now, so like it seems like he, j- he doesn't really put in the effort 
um, there, which if you're gonna if you're gonna have that size disadvantage, like you got you got to be all effort, man, because that's the only thing you got going for you. Um, and without it, he just you know, I mean, if you look at some of the stuff, I mean, he gives up. I think his his defensive box plus minus was pretty pretty rough. Let me see, I got it right here. He was his defensive rating, so it was 112. He gives up 112 points for 100 possessions. That's not good. Um, if, if you guys I mean, he did try to stuff. block LeBron James he did. that one time, <laughs> so you got to give him points for heart, you know? <laughs> he did, yeah, he, he put the effort in on that one, and, and uh, <laughs> I mean, he didn't, and he was not successful, but but he didn't get dunked on, he didn't get dunked on, and, didn't and LeBron didn't, on. he didn't even get an and one either, he, it was just a, it was just a two free throws, so, so give him <laughs> credit for that. Uh, Ashley, you went with... You are, you, you just have a thing for Jameer. <laughs> but, but, so you went with Jameer Nelson for worst defender. Uh, you know why? I was just, I was just so annoyed with him by the end of the season. And to be fair, I think that, you know, that he probably does not deserve worst defender in the entire league. It just, I was just so ticked off at him for, I was just <laughs> like, come on, you're not even trying, you know, like, ah, uh, I just got so frustrated that he had to it get my true. vote. But Isaiah Thomas was absolutely terrible. I will agree with you. <laughs> Which is, and that's, and that's James Harden. Very, yeah, and James Harden. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't vote for James Harden. That's He's another vote. one of my, so. man, that guy. No, he. Yeah, it's, this is just a list of players that drive Ashley crazy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. He doesn't play defense, and he's cool with that. He's totally fine with that. I changed you my vote. It. I'm voting for James Harden. No. All right. There you go. There you go. He does, and he's he's blatant about what I was talking about, not giving effort. He's sometimes blatant about it. Like, he won't even uh, – he's like Andre. You guys are – I mean, Andre Miller used to do this all the time where it's like, oh, I could close out on that shooter, but eh, I think I'll just kind of look at him and yeah. you know, hopefully he'll miss. Harden does that a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Jameer, you know, Jameer was – He's 36, man, and he's getting old. He's getting tired. He's another guy who who height works against him. Um, yeah, he's not a good defender. I mean, I, I'll give you that. Nope. <laughs> you could nominate a lot of guys for worst defensive player on the Nuggets. In fact, Jokic got one vote from Gordon. Um, Dan, <laughs> you went with a guy who I I had, I I had to remind myself he was even still in the league. Uh, Jose Calderon, man, that's um. Yeah, so he's going to be my vote for worst defensive player of the year almost every year because he's the <laughs> inventor of the matador defense where you just watch guards oh. drive past you and yell ole you know <laughs> so you know and, until he retires he's probably going to get my vote just you know he's he's really inspirational for for people like me who who just want to play offense and don't really want to play defense so <laughs> he's, he's my you- pick so you could also but, uh, go to JJ in, in regards to yeah JJ Breda does that as well. In in regards <laughs> to Jameer, you know, I, I've been the first NBA player that I ever met in person was Al Jefferson, who's who's a very large individual. Yes, he is. I, I just remember being blown away about how how huge he was in person. Uh, but I've also been able to meet Jameer Nelson, and I am I am taller than Jameer Nelson. So. Yeah. It's you know, true. That, when I was there, I was looking him in the eye, and I'm like, okay, I get it now. So this is yeah. interesting. He he just has an obvious like height disadvantage on defense yeah. that, that just really limits him. You know, it, it was pretty right. it was pretty eye opening to be like, oh, like this is why, this is why you have a hard time stopping people because <laughs> <laughs> you you might have a hard time stopping me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can see it. 
I could see it. Yeah, he. Um, yeah, and you guys bring up a point. I always remember Gary Harris being one guy. The first time I saw him, I was like, "Wow, you're you're quite a bit taller than than I re- would realize." Because you know, you see these guys on TV on the court when they're standing around a bunch of other really tall people, and, and it looks Gary Harris looks like kind of a shorter guy. But oh man, when I stand next to him, I, I'm definitely I'm definitely looking up at him. That, but in fairness, I pretty much even Jameer, um, he's he's <laughs> even Jameer's got a couple inches on me, so. Um, yeah, it is what it is with him. All right, well, I tell you what, guys, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up. I tried to I tried to make uh, last week shorter. I think I'm gonna end up. St- we're probably gonna still end up being about an hour and hour and a half long on this one. But we're good. We're good. We just had to get through. We had to get through these stiffy awards. I really wanted to do it. So, but we'll we'll go ahead and close it out with that. Um, like I said, you can check out all the stiffy awards and how everybody voted. That's up on DenverStiffs.com. Um, along with we've been doing some roundtables. Dan's been kind of on the forefront of those. For, for all of these games, we, we hopefully, if I don't mess it up anymore, we won't actually post one two, ga- two days before the game is actually on. <laughs> but um, The great part uh, is that all of us chimed in. Like, <laughs> we thought yeah, right. we were with you. <laughs> we all... We all got a bunch. Even Adam, who who he chimed in, and then and then later was like, "Hey guys, you know this isn't uh, for another two more days, right?" We're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, there, boss. So um, make sure to follow us all on Twitter. Uh, Ashley, you are at Ashley NBA Hoops. Um, Dan is at Minuteman. Dan, I am at Zach Mikosh, and uh, at Denver Stiffs, of course. And um, Ashley, Dan, thanks for being on. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. Hi, I'm Susan from Safeway. Are you ready for a road trip? You can save on gas by shopping at Safeway. It's easy. Shop at Safeway and earn gas reward points. Then save up to 20 cents per gallon at participating Chevron or Texaco stations or up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations. That's right, up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations just for shopping with us. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Limited to 25 gallons in a single fill-up. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. Visit store or Safeway.com for details. This is Susan from Safeway, and we'll see you soon.